Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating. They say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And if that's the case, then I have flattered a lot of people uh, in my life. Uh, because I'm a kid who has grown up in the 21st century in America, which means I was basically raised on television, all right? My house at home, we did. We had satellite TV. We had 999 channels. I kid you not. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. But there were lots of characters and shows that I loved to watch, and I loved to emulate, right? These characters kind of captured my imagination and seemed so cool and put together. And so I said, yeah, I want to be like you. I want, to, I want to do what you do. And for me, especially as a high school student, the premier person for me uh, was Will Smith. I know he's not exactly the person you want to be imitating these days. I actually hope that you don't imitate Will Smith, especially if I say something that offends you up here. All right. Well, I'm serious. I loved Will Smith, especially in uh, the show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right? I wanted to be Will. If you don't know the show, Will, he ends up in kind of this posh house, and he's kind of this different guy at his high school, but he's got style, you know? And I wanted style like Will. I wanted kind of the swagger that he had. I wanted to look cool, and so I'd, you know, put my flat bill hat on backwards and wear my jacket inside out, you know, like Will Smith. I thought maybe uh, Will's success in the television show uh, with the ladies would have helped me in my own pursuit, you know, because he had these great lines, right? There's this one, I still remember it, right? It said, your legs must be tired because you've been running through my mind all day. And so I would, you know, say those kinds of things. Okay, no, I didn't. And I was too shy. I would think those kinds of things, though, when a cute girl walked by. And then I'd go home and watch The Fresh Prince. But I imitated him, right? I, I emulated Will. Me and my best friend in grade school, we even copied his secret handshake with his best friend, Jazzy J, the one that was like, <sighs> so we still do it. <laughs> but he hasn't been the only person that I've imitated in life, right? Before Will, it was Spider-Man. Right? I was running around the house shooting my webs at everybody. And uh, on the athletic field, when I was playing sports with my friends or intramurals in college, I'd try and imitate guys like Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, right? premier receivers of the NFL in an age gone by, but go Broncos. Uh, nowadays, I imitate a guy named Bandit. He's actually not even a guy, he's a dog. My kid likes the show Bluey, and she talks in an Australian accent all the time in the house, and I got to do these, you know, these bits. <laughs> because we imitate people, right? I imitate people. My daughter imitates people. You imitate people, I would guess. So who do you imitate? Who is it that you try to emulate? Who do you follow? A couple weeks ago, we were uh, celebrating Halloween, and so we had a chance to see all sorts of imitations, right? From TV personas to Teletubbies, I saw. 
uh, war heroes, musicians. It's all these imitations, right, on Halloween. Who do you keep your eyes on? Who do you follow? And for some people in the room, as soon as I say the word follow, in your mind you imagine like a light blue bird and you start, like you're, you want to tap your pocket, make sure your phone's in your pants because you might have a notification from Twitter, right? Who, who do you follow on Twitter? And why do you follow them? What, what appeals to you about them? Have they influenced what you wear or what you buy? Has he influenced what you say? For others in the room, Twitter doesn't really mean anything. We don't know how to work it, so we never, you know, spend our time on it. But we still imitate, right? You might uh, follow a particular news source, and it's what they say that, that, that you keep your eyes on. Right? Do you find yourself repeating their rhetoric? Uh, echoing their political points and adopting their views. Do you notice yourself imitating the very spirit in which they speak? What demeanor are they developing in you? Brothers and sisters, join in imitating. Paul when he writes those words down in his letter to that congregation, in, in one hand, he's just describing something that all of us do, right? We all, all imitate. It was no different for the folks back then, the congregation Paul was writing to, than it is for us. Sometimes when we engage with the Scriptures, we think, oh, those archaic times, and they thought so differently, and they lived so differently. Not really. You know, the setting was different. The location was different. The furniture was different, thank God. Uh, and we have heat, so that's good. But it's the same humanity. It's the same humanity. And so Paul is writing to this Philippian congregation, well aware that there are voices and influences in their world that might influence how they are in the world. Right, so uh, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was populated by former Roman soldiers. And surely there were among the ranks of the congregation people who went beyond admiring those Roman soldiers, but even began to adopt their way towards life. At least a, a pattern that didn't look like crucifying themselves for the sake of others, a suffering for the benefit of others, but looked more like imposing force to get what they wanted, fighting with those they, they felt needed to change and subduing those that were weaker than themselves. Paul experienced that firsthand. When he had come to establish the congregation in Philippi in Acts 16, Paul was, was imprisoned, right? He was beaten by the magistrates. He was flogged in the public square. And the text says that when that happened, the crowd joined in the attack. Right? Mob mentality. We're influenced. Philippi was also a, a cultural center that had its own set of cultural values. 
right? Things that the society of the day said, this is uh, what you need to care about, what you need to think about, so that you can do well in life, right? Care and think about these things. Live your life in this manner, and you will get ahead. Things will, will benefit you. And when we read the Scriptures, we usually call those things gods. And that's one of those times when we look at these people and we're like, man, they're so different, they're so weird and archaic. We have gods today, they're maybe just not as obvious to us. What the culture says we need to do or say or live into in order to be successful. In Philippi, it was a there was a multiplicity of gods. In their Acropolis, uh, there's all sorts of engravings and relief carvings that still exist of some of the gods they worshipped. Uh, the favored god was a guy named Sylvanus or Sylvanus. I'm not sure how to say it. He was the Roman god of the countryside and agriculture. And so the idea was pay a tithe to Sylvanus. Give him a grain offering or a fruit offering, and he's going to bless your agriculture. And in an agrarian society, well, it makes a lot of sense to do that. You want to be blessed, right? So people would do that. Paul is aware that there's all these voices speaking and guiding and, and trying to, to get us to follow. And so he doesn't stop by saying, brothers and sisters, join in imitating. Right? He says, join in imitating me. Join in imitating me. And when Paul says that, he's not bragging, right? Paul's not trying to get his brand out there. He's not trying to amass his own followers for his Twitter account. No, we, we see the heart behind Paul's words in those few verses after, right, where he says, uh, with tears, he has seen those who, who walk as enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Paul has seen people who are, are basically giving their lives away to these other voices and other forces that are not ending well. So Paul says, imitate me. Imitate me. You read it in other parts of the Scriptures too. Uh, Paul himself saying, imitate me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't imitate me because I'm better than you. Paul would be the first to say, I'm the chief of sinners, right? Imitate me because of who I am seeking to emulate and imitate in my life. Hebrews 13, 7 says, uh, uh, to follow your leaders and consider the outcome of their way of life. As a kid, I never thought twice about the outcome of the people I was emulating. I mean, I thought about the outcome of the 30-minute episode I watched, and it always worked out really good, you know? So, of course, I'll follow it. But had I ever stopped to think about these people's real lives? Who's directing these shows? What's their philosophy? What are they actually trying to teach and form me in? No, I didn't until I got a little older, and then I discovered kind of the awful truth that a lot of the heroes and people I looked up to, their lives don't always echo or emulate the many good things I thought they had going for them, right? So Paul says, think, consider the outcome of who you're following. Be aware of who you're following. 
And you think about life, right? We got all sorts of people we follow in all these different areas. So as a student, right, you might emulate your teachers, kind of adopt some of the things they're trying to teach you so that it'll go well for you on the test or in life. You want to kind of be formed by them. As an athlete, we have coaches. We have uh, uh, other, other athletes who we look up to and we say, man, they're so good. I want to copy their moves. We've got all these areas of life in which we adopt other people's practices. But I ask you, who do you have who is forming you in your walk of faith? Who do you have who is helping guide your steps and, and, and hone your practicing of Christianity? I want you to look around the room for a second. Yeah, go ahead. I know it's awkward. Just do it anyway. Look, just like glare at somebody. I'm going to glare at Kaisa. No, I won't glare. I'll smile, I guess. We believe that God has gathered all of us in this room today, not by accident. And yeah, we made the decision to wake up and to shower and to get dressed and to come here, but we believe that God beckoned us here by His Spirit into this place. And we're gathered here because His Spirit is actually drawing us to Himself. And notice that He's not drawing us by ourselves. He's drawing us into community. At St. Peter and Paul, we talk about being a family of God that's vibrant and multiplying. And we don't just call it a family because we want to make it sound nice or try to, like, get people to act a certain way with each other. Like, come on, we're family here, you know, tighten up. No. No, we talk that way because that's how God speaks to us. Maybe today you're wondering if you're a part of this family, and I'm telling you, you are. You're in. And you have a room full of people and a church full of people who are here to walk with you. And I'll tell you how you know you're in. It was that gospel reading we had, just those couple verses from John. Kind of a weird thing to, you know, just like glimpse Jesus on the cross there for a moment and like return to the, the worship. But Jesus is there on the cross, and it was his death and his resurrection that enabled him not just to subject all things under his feet, but in that act, Jesus was creating a new humanity, a new people, and he was creating a new family. And you heard what he said to that disciple of his, John, that friend of his, right? He said, behold, Mary is now your mother, and John, you are now Mary's son. Jesus says, because of my death and resurrection, you are now welcomed and joined into a family that I am building and I'm creating. I've done it by my death and my resurrection. We're going to live together forever, a kind of a family uh, reunion, right? So you have a family. You're in this family. Now, maybe in your life, when I ask who are you following, who do you have to help you hone your, your Christian walk, Maybe you do have somebody 
Right? Maybe there's someone who you've met with or someone who you talk with that has guided you. Maybe someone you kind of consider as a mentor, um, and you haven't said you're my discipler, but, but they kind of are serving in that capacity towards you. That's great. We want that for you. But maybe you're in the room today and you're, and you're thinking, I, I don't have anybody, and I don't know of anyone I could really ask. And if that's you this morning, we want you to know that we have ways to, to uh, uh, be disciple, to grow together. We have people who want to walk with you. Uh, one of the ways we do it is by life groups. Uh, there's a poster in the back. You can look up at, uh, all the, the groups that meet and scan a phone uh, to the page to get it plugged into one of those. These are like micro-communities where we walk together, we do life together. Uh, but we also have people who are ready to invest themselves personally in you. We call that discipleship. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said, imitate me. He was discipling that whole community. And so we have people who are ready to walk with you. And if you're looking for something or knowing that you could really use the help of another Christian to guide you, uh, help you practice Christianity, uh, just come talk to myself or talk to Pastor Aaron. We would love to get you connected. I've imitated a lot of people in my life. Uh, lately, it's actually been my father-in-law, Dave, uh, because two days, boys, two days, brothers and sisters, all right, until hunting season begins, right? And I'm no hunter. At the trunk or treat, my family dressed up as people who were just going camping. Someone thought I was Elmer Fudd. Uh, <laughs> and that's pretty, I was like, have you been watching me practice? Uh, that's accurate. My father-in-law, Dave, he, he got me a buck, you know, target at the house. And he gave me his bow that he used to use, the very first one that he had, and he showed me how to pull it back and how to get your eyes looking in the right way so you actually hit the target and your arrows don't go into the woods. He got me a tree stand and helped me set it up, and he, and he helped me put up trail cams so I can start watching the patterns in the backyard. I would never bag anything if it wasn't for Dave right? Dave is forming me. He's helping me so that I can go and sit out there and wait in the cold on a beautiful UP morning, you know, dreaming about that buck, right? Many of you will be doing, just waiting for that thing to come out of the woods, and you know how exciting that'll be, right? That's, that's the target, right? Well, Paul says we got a target too. Those bucks are our target here for the next couple weeks, uh, but there's a verse I want to share with you. We didn't read it this morning. It comes from uh, uh, verse 14. I'll throw it on the screen potentially. Yes, there it is. Paul says, I press on toward the goal. The Greek there is ekapos. Ekapos. It's archery language. That Greek term is talking about a target. Right? I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. These next couple of weeks, the bucks are our targets, but for our existence, God is our target. And your soul is the thing that is looking so forward to seeing Him come out of the mists, right? You want to you gaze into the, into the face of God. That's what your soul wants. Just as much, just as much, far more than you want to see that buck come out, I'm telling you. So who is helping you hone your pursuit of Him? If you have someone in your life who's doing that, thank them. Tell them, thank you for, for guiding me. Uh, if you don't, talk to me, talk to Aaron. 
because you're not alone. We walk this Christian life together. In Jesus' name, amen.